What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. That podcast by those two brothers from the same mother, giving you their fantasy takes, hits, analysis, and everything in between. As usual, it is your boy Derek here, the younger brother, kicking it with the older brother, Daryl. Daryl, what's going on, my man? Week four is ahead of us. Yeah, man. Um, once this train starts, it it does not stop. Uh, we, we back for it, we back for it, and we back for it. And then when it gets here, it's just on your ass. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for week four. Got some good matchups on deck, and I'm eager to, to get into a few of them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got matchups as usual. We got three of them bad boys. We're going to preview. Of course, our buy ourselves segment is here, a.k.a. I can do that. And then, of course, we'll end the show with a little DBB. We'll look at our pick for tonight's game between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers and maybe address any of the other spreads or um, picks, lines that we have that interest us. So let's get it started with the matchup previews. We got the Atlanta Falcons going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game will be played across the pond. Jacksonville, three and a half point favorite per our sheet. The over under is 43 points. Let's start on that Atlanta side, Daryl. Talk to me nicely. Word. So the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it's funny when you talk about these guys because it feels like um it feels like you end up talking about the same things all the time. And so like this won't actually be much different. Um, you know, we, we start with the quarterback situation and, you know, it's not like, um, it's not like Jacksonville presents some hellified matchup or anything like that, but, you know, you got to look at what you're dealing with, with the Atlanta offense. They're trying to hide Mr. Desmond Ritter as often and as long as they can only, you know, as far as passing, it's basically break glass in case of emergency. So, you know, as ever, unless it's a super flex and really unless you're desperate in super flex, um, he's not really somebody that I'm looking to, uh, that, that I'm looking to, to get after, you know, and it's, and it's, it's not, but again, like I said, it's not because Jackson, Jacksonville presents some, you know, some, uh, some like Cleveland type hurdle, or something like that. It's just he's not, if, if at all possible, he's not going to be called upon to do too much. And we saw last week when he was called upon, it did not look good. So um, he's certainly he's certainly a steer clear um, for 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 me. Um, you know, as ever with um, with Atlanta, it's what does this matchup look like for the running backs, particularly Bijan. And this should be a pretty a pretty good matchup for 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 him. You know, I, he's he, well for him and for and, and for Algier. But you know, we'll we'll stick with Bijan for the moment. This man's usage for a rookie who's only played three games, like you know, it was something that was to be expected given his profile. But you know, you 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 never quite know how these things are going to go when these guys come in the league. And then on the back of what we saw in week one, remember when um, when Tyler Algier got those got those um, got those goal line carries 
And there was, you know, maybe a little bit of uneasiness in the Bijan universe about what that would spell going forward. But a lot of that stuff has been really put to bed. Um, his his route participation is out of this world. It's, you know, it's over over 70 percent. And his his rushing, you know, he's he's over 50 percent of the rushing um, share. I mean, like he's. It, it it doesn't really matter the matchup like you're going to play him but like as regards um Jacksonville this presents a pretty decent opportunity for him especially as far as being a part of the passing game you know um J- Jacksonville running backs get targeted at a higher rate than average against Jacksonville and like that's going to that's going to bode well for him um especially given that they designed so much for him in the first place and you know, for what little targets there will be, he should be, you know, he should get a good bit of first read um, on that. As for the rushing side of things, Jacksonville's no, you know, they're, they're no they're no better than anybody else. They're, they're not bad. They're not great. You know, opportunity-wise, he, you know, they should have um, what, what they normally look at, you know, around 25 to 30 um, opportunities per game and Jacksonville does not really present much of a hurdle in in that regard. So like, yeah, you're firing Bijan up and I think Algier is a pretty safe play. Um, well, not, let me not say safe. I think Algier makes for a decent flex play because, you know, he's going to come in and get some of that work in relief um, for of, of Bijan. So, you know, There'll be there'll be some goodness there to be kind of kind of spread around between the two of them. So yeah, Bijan, no brainer. You were playing him anyway, but this this does look like it has um, very much potential to be a plus matchup for him and Tyler Algier. In the event that there's some leftovers, because the way this game could go, like either one of these teams could blow the other one out. Um, it's 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 just that kind of it's that kind of matchup. Um, so you know, if if the game script goes Atlanta's way, things could look good for Tyler Algier in mop up duty. Um, so now we have to talk about the passing game, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I'll say this much. I'll say this much. There should be some opportunity here for Kyle Pitts. You know. Um, there, there should. It's a plus matchup in the sense of what kind of target share um, that Jacksonville affords to the tight end position. So you know, if they are called upon to pass a little bit more, um, things could look up for Kyle Pitts if if the game goes that way. If the game doesn't go that way, where Atlanta isn't forced to pass, then you're just kind of hoping on a prayer that. Um, Either that either Desmond Ritter can actually hit Kyle Pitts when he's streaking down the field open on, on those many, many air yards that he gets, or that Kyle Pitts actually steals some work from, am I reading this correctly? Uh, Johnny Smith. Um, so, <laughs> you know, oh, man. I'm not, I'm not excited to play Pitts, but if the game ends up going in such a way where Atlanta has to come out of their show, um, things th- things could very well look up for him. As for as for Drake London, 
I'm I'm not really seeing it for him um, this this week. You know, the just from an opportunity, just from an opportunity share as far as like surplus opportunity that uh, happens to go wide receivers way when facing um, when, when facing Jacksonville, and then you add on Atlanta's proclivity to not pass the ball in general. You know, you want to look at what Tank Dell did last week, and that's that's fantastic, you know, but then you have to put that in the context of what does Atlanta want to do with the ball. They don't want to be airing it out like Tank Dell um, got last week. Well, probably maybe unless Tank Dell is streaking down the, unless Drake London is streaking down the field wide ass open like uh, like Tank was, but um, that's that's just not really what Atlanta looks to do. So I'm not really. I'm not really looking forward to 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 having to play Drake London or definitely not Matt Collins um, this week. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where where I'm at in total. So like in total, the running backs, yeah, I'm good. Fire them up. Um, Pitts in a pinch, you know, if you don't have a better option, and you probably don't, you know, tight end is a bit of a dumpster fire unless you were able to get your hands on like a Musgrave or a Laporta. Off the uh, off the waiver wire type, type thing, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate starting Kyle Pitts this week. I'm I'm just not in love of it given the context of the offense, and if possible, I am very much trying to sit Drake London this week. I got you. That was entirely too much time for a team that has managed to only score 55 points in three games this year. But the only note that I'll add to this is um <laughs> i was gonna was gonna be nice yeah i'll be nice so desmond ritter he has more completed air yards than dak and joe burrow and he has a better epa per play under pressure than the quarterback he's going up against which is trevor lawrence that's all i got in atlanta you you hit everything else well with them you know what? So yeah, that that is nice. That that was a very nice and courteous thing that that, that you said there um, about Mister Desmond Ritter. I I'll, I'll say this, uh, and I'll I'll stop with Atlanta after this. Um, things have gone, you know, th- things quarterback wise have gone like kind of the way people were expecting, and I think we're starting to enter that zone to where people might start calling for for Taylor Heineke. So. For those of you in super flex leagues who um, who have roster space and whatnot, and maybe looking to get ahead of the curve on things, it might be time to start thinking about making room on your roster for Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, ditto Jacoby Brissett, ditto uh, Malik Willis. Um, there. All right. So looking at things for Jacksonville, um, you know, we'll, we'll start we'll start with Trevor as as Derek and I spoke about last episode when we got to our Are You Concerned segment, Trevor Lawrence was right there. And yeah, he his play, both fantasy-wise and real football-wise, has been cause for concern. The kind of um the kind of saving grace type of thing. Um, I finally got I finally like reheard that stat that I had mentioned. He's lost like 15.8 or so points, um, expected points added or EPA from dropped passes. So you would think that eventually that's going to 
even out because his receiving core is is pretty good. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that variance could very well be. Um, you know, you, you could attribute that to variance, and that that tends to even out over the course of the year. So that's kind of working in his favor as regards this matchup with um, with, with Atlanta. Their defense isn't the easy win that it was, um, you know, last year. They've they they've beefed up that that, that secondary. Um, you know, they're you keep you, you you're not just going to roll up in a game against Atlanta and just air them out the way the way you did last year. That said, though, it's not like it's not like they're invincible or or, or anything like that. Um, it's it's just kind of a fine matchup for Trevor and if he is that dude if he is that guy that um that's supposed to be taking this next step that's supposed to be you know mentioned in that tier um deservedly behind you know Burrow Mahomes um you know the, you you know who the top guys are if if he's trying to like be mentioned behind those guys and maybe start to make the move to pierce that tier this is the kind of team he's supposed to you know he, he's supposed to pick apart. He hasn't put that into evidence yet. So I'm not, I'm not terribly excited to start him, but I don't think I'm, but Atlanta isn't the scary kind of matchup. That's going to make me go hit the waiver wire in a single quarterback league. It's not going to make me go hit the waiver wire and try to replace him. You just hope that he can turn things around and, you know, Atlanta's not, Atlanta's not poised to shut him down unless he just plays like super duper terribly the way, the way I'm looking at it. Um, we'll move into the, moving to the running back situation. It's not a great matchup for, um, it's not a great matchup for ETN. And I suppose it's, 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 it's Tank Bigsby who um, comes in and gets the goal line work, but not too much else. Um, maybe the earnest, you, you, you're probably not playing. I, I would hope you're not having to play either one of those two guys, but it's not the best matchup here for, um, for, for, for ETN. Um, you know, Jacksonville, I mean, excuse me, Atlanta's not giving up a whole lot of points to the running back position. It's not necessarily a, a plus matchup from points given up from targets per game or, or, or anything like that, you know, ETN, the way you, from where you drafted him and, um, you know, from, from what he showed, I want to say it was, it was either week one or week, I think it was week one where he had like a, a pretty good game. You know, if you have him, you're playing him, but like, this is not an expected smash spot for him. Like this is a, I'm playing this guy because, you know, I have a lot of draft capital invested in him. I probably don't have much better else to turn to uh, in, in my running back spot. But just know when you put him in your lineup, maybe it puts you in a frame of mind where maybe you have to, maybe you feel you need, might want to be a little bit riskier in other spots because I don't see, I, I don't see this as just like an obvious smash spot for him. So you may want to design your lineup to make up for it in other spots. Um, I'm not really interested in playing Tank Bigsby or Dearness uh, or Dearness Johnson here. Uh, they haven't really shown enough to me, except for 
you know, tank for being able to vulture opportunities and goal line situations. Um, move into the wide receivers. Overall, um, it's not really, you know, it's it's not great. It's not terrible matchup wise. But one thing that sticks out to me is that it should present a good opportunity for Christian Kirk um, that at Atlanta is uh, they're a plus matchup for receivers lining up, uh, lining up in the slot. Um, you know, you should expect them to see like well north of 20 percent of the targets in this uh, in, in this game. You know, some somewhere, you know, well, j- just a slot in, in particular slot wide receivers in particular, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 18 points. Um, and the good thing about, well, it's, it's not a good thing, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen a practice report for, for today. As far as I know, it's, it's not on the sites that I checked, but um, yesterday on Wednesday, Zay Jones hadn't practiced. So Christian Kirk could, could be in line to get that extra bit of, route participation in two wide receiver sets plus kicking down to the slot when they go uh when they go three wide so um i i think things look kind of okay for him and ditto ditto for evan ingram um i he he he's a um i don't know you wouldn't call him a sneaky play but um this is a week where evan ingram you know i i think he has a chance to smash uh th- this could this could very well well it is a plus matchup for um uh, for for tight ends versus Atlanta and for for him in particular given um g- given how much they look to him in general so I'm liking Evan Ingram this week I'm liking um I'm liking Christian Kirk um on Travis Etienne and I'm I'm gritting my teeth and I'm starting uh, I'm starting Trevor Lawrence if I have him, but he's on alert um, this week. I think you're on mute. We are on mute, but we back though. Oh uh, yeah. Two notes I have Calvin Ridley, uh, 24% target share, only a 50% catch rate. That's, that's not good right now, but your your kind of your solace there is that he's tied for the tenth most targets from the wide receiver position, but he's still wide receiver three territory in scoring currently. So I think there's room for him to bounce back, um, be more the wide receiver that we saw in week one than the one we've seen in the past couple weeks. And then I'm right in line with you. This should be a smash spot for Evan Ingram. Um, Zay Jones did not participate in practice today. Um, he's trending okay. towards being out based on on that. So yeah, I, I think this is a good smash spot for Evan Ingram, considering Atlanta gives up the fourth most points to the tight end position, fantasy wise. Right. Yeah, my bad. I, I forgot. I totally forgot to mention Calvin Calvin Ridley, and yeah, you you you, you hit that well. Um, I guess the the only thing I would mention about him as well is that. He's very likely to see a whole lot of AJ Terrell tomorrow. So, well, tomorrow, tomorrow uh, on on Sunday. So, um, we'll see how that goes for for him because AJ Terrell is one of the better corners in the league, and Calvin's hasn't been playing that well. Maybe the revenge game against his old team will uh, will will be enough to to get him juiced up before the game. One can hope. One can hope. 
All right. So moving along to our next matchup, we're going to we're going to look at the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is favored by two and a half points with the over under of 41. So, my bro, what what say you about the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, key early season matchup between division opponents. I should have put the records in our show sheet, but I did not. Both teams come into this game at two and one. But the Baltimore side, we start with Lamar Jackson. Uh, good week for him last week, fantasy-wise. Was the number two quarterback overall, and we saw that rushing upside with 101 rushing yards. Other two games, he was QB 23 against the Texans and then QB 10 the week before. Um, when it comes with Cleveland, defensively, um, they've given up the least points to the quarterback position, but they face Ryan Tannehill, uh, Kenny Pickett, and Joe Burrow, who, you know, obviously when you're looking at Joe Burrow so far this season, it hasn't been the Joe Burrow that we've seen the past seasons. So I'm, I'm throwing that out there as, you know, Cleveland kind of hasn't played a fully just, you know, him kind of quarterback, but also at the same time, this team has the second highest pressure rate. And so that has nothing to do. Well, not everything to do with the quarterback itself. So this defense is pretty stout. Now, when it comes to under pressure this season, we kind of talked about it earlier. Um, Lamar Jackson, our last episode, Lamar Jackson, uh, 40% completion rate under pressure this season, 27.7 rating. That's the worst among quarterbacks not named Ryan Tannehill with a negative 0.94 EPA per play. So overall with Lamar, he's in your starting lineup, but I'm not expecting this to be one of those spots where you're getting a QB one, two, three, four, or maybe even a top five quarterback, but he's in your lineup. You're not benching him. Uh, running okay, back so wise. You're not looking to stream. No, 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 you're not looking to stream here. You just you just got to know that a QB1 performance is likely coming, but it's not going to be with some high upside here. Sure. Uh, running back-wise, uh, we had Gus Edwards. He practiced in full yesterday, and Justice Hill was limited in practice today, so it's kind of undecided regarding him. So Melvin Gordon and or King and Drake may factor into this backfield as well. Uh, pretty much, I'm not interested in starting any of those guys with the exception of maybe Gus, and I would not be expecting a whole lot there because Cleveland has given up the fourth least amount of points fantasy-wise to the position, and they're a tough run defense. Um, you know, they – I believe they just played Derrick Henry, yeah, and, you know, Derrick Henry didn't just have his fully going off on them. So Cleveland is Cleveland is solid defensively there. I would look for other running backs if I could. If you can't, then I would play Gus just based on potential usage. By receiver-wise, um, Zay Flowers, man, he's been commanding the target share, 29% target share on the season, but but does have a two-yard-per-route um, run, so that's pretty good. But the dot is very low at 5.1%. So it looks like they're hitting him on a bunch of, you know, screen passes or just kind of short routes. Um, I say I would say he should be in your lineup. I'm looking at probably a wide receiver three-ish outcome for him. So kind of a flex, flex kind of play for you. Uh, 
The other wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Bateman, I have no interest in really playing those guys. Um, in the case of Nelson Aguilar, he is out there a lot. So he could, you know, potentially be one of those guys that sneaks you in a touchdown. But that's more of a DFS thing I'll be looking at than your usual redraft league. And then to my man, Mark Andrews, he's always in your lineup. 20% target share, 80% plus of the snaps played. The elite stats there that you like to see for a tight end. Fantasy Pros has him as the tight end four um, coming into this week in their week four rankings. And I think that's about right. I think this is going to be a game where Lamar is going to be kind of trying to funnel between him and Zay as he has been the other two games and maybe Lamar using his legs as well. You have any additional thoughts on these Ravens? Yeah, um, I I would bolster the Zay Flowers point because um, there's, there is a chance that um, neither Odell nor um, – Rashad Bateman will play. Odell's still dealing with his mm-hmm. ankle, and uh, Bateman picked up a hamstring injury in their last game against the Colts. Um, the last I saw, um, I believe neither had practiced. So um, this could just be the the Zay and Mark Andrews show um, yeah. as, as far as the, the, the passing game goes. So basically just those two from a volume point of view. I mean, Cleveland <laughs> Cleveland is tough on defense, so um, you know, expecting them to ball out from an efficiency point of view, maybe not, but um, there is a chance they could get there on volume just by virtue of the fact that the ball is just going to have to go their way because there's nobody else there. Good point on that, and good note on Rashad Bayman with the hamstring. I forgot to mention that, but yes, he is dealing with a hamstring as well. To the Cleveland side, Going with Deshaun Watson at the quarterback position. Got to give a kudos to him last week. uh, QB 10 finish on an 81% completion rate, 289 yards and two touchdowns. That's the Deshaun Watson that we like to see or we're wanting to see as fantasy um, managers, if you will. Coming into this week on Fantasy Pros, he is ranked as QB 16 in this matchup versus the Ravens. So he's looking like a QB two um, based on, on fantasy pros thoughts. But when I kind of dove into it, I looked at it and the Ravens gave up the ninth fewest points to quarterbacks. Now, again, they faced CJ Stroud, Joe Burrow and Gardner Minshew. Again, not a murderer's row of quarterbacks again, considering, you know, Burrow with his in injury, but, I think it's one of those things where if the Ravens are able to generate pressure against Deshaun, I think this could be, you know, one of those performances that we've seen Deshaun with Cleveland where it just has not looked good. In all honesty, like if you if you have another quarterback on your team, like one team I do have Anthony Richardson on and it's looked like he's trending to play. I'm somewhat considering putting in Anthony Richardson in, but um, yeah, if you have another quarterback on your roster, I would say you might want to look that way. But if you don't, I think you can start Deshaun and just know that you may not get that top 10 or 12 quarterback um, finish as you got the past, well, the past week and week one. Yeah. 
Running back wise, Jerome Ford. I said Jerome in the house. I said Jerome <laughs> uh, 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 in your mouth. Jerome Ford, uh, last week, 55% of the snaps, 33% of the rushes, 57% of the routes. Um, not bad at all for a guy who was the backup running back who stepped into the main role. Um, Kareem Hunt was worked in, but you know he wasn't too much of a factor last week. Uh, Jerome wasn't really efficient. Uh, 10 rushes for 18 yards last week, but he did have two touchdowns, one receiving and one on the ground. Um, the rushing wise, I'm not too concerned about because he was facing Tennessee. We talked about Tennessee and their rush defense. They're more of a pass funnel. And obviously Deshaun took advantage of that. Um, Ravens wise, they're middle of the road in fantasy points, given up to running backs. So Jerome Ford, in my opinion, should be in your lineup. I'm looking at him as a lower tier, probably RB2 um, in in that position. So, yeah, I would say start him. Kareem, you're still just – if you have him on your squad, still um, stashing him, monitoring his usage, seeing if anything else prevails. Wide receiver-wise, we got some guys here. We'll start with Amari Cooper. He's in your lineup. 25% target share, 16 16- 0.1 a dot 2.5 yards per route run 44 percent of the team air yards dims is numbers you like to see this man is in i like him as a wide receiver too on the week elijah and dpj um elijah had some flex appeal in this game to me uh primarily his stats a dot says 7.5 but he's seeing a 25 percent target share and he's out there for 84 percent of the route so that in itself is usually good enough to be a flex play at the minimum. Um, but against the Ravens in particular, um, well, particularly with him, he lines up 62% in the slot. And with the Ravens defense, they give up the 10th most points to slot wide receivers. So I think this is a spot where Elijah Moore can prevail and give you very flex appeal numbers. DPJ, I'm fine with stashing him, but I'm not looking to start him necessarily in this matchup. Finally, to the tight end position, you got David and Joku. Um, 77% of the snaps, what you love to see. 12% target share, not what you like to see for a tight end that you probably drafted as a top 10 tight end. You want that a little bit higher. Um, in addition to that, Baltimore has been stingy to tight ends. So, you know, I'm somewhat interested in probably streaming. Like if you have, well, I mean, the game's about to start, but I'm more interested maybe in starting Luke Musgrave over David and Joku this week. Um, and Luke Musgrave could be a guy on your waiver wire. But, yeah, I'm probably more interested in looking into those streaming streets than starting David and Joku this week. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the guys that stood out to me for this matchup, um, Elijah, Elijah Moore and, um, Amari. And, and like you said, you know, Ed, uh, Amari is pretty much a no, a, a no brainer, but, um, I think that, I think that, yeah, he's gonna, he, he's gonna get some work, you know, he, he's gonna get some volume here. And, um, I, I, I believe that, you know, he has, he, he has a good chance to, you know, 
to get you solid wide wide receiver two. And if he's able to get into the end zone a time or two, you know, push up into a wide receiver one finish um, this week. Um, Elijah Moore, I like, I like him too. And I don't know, maybe they, I would like to see them use him a little bit differently um, or just like, not so much like gadgety, like, um, you know, right up on the line of scrimmage type stuff, because I, I, I think he's good. I, I, us wishing that, though, can't make it happen. And we can't, you know, we can't <laughs> say it's going to happen until we see it. Um, right. But there, there's some there's some opportunity there. Um, where, you know, Baltimore does present some good opportunity for slot receivers. Um, so so so, yeah, you know, maybe hopefully maybe this could be a chance for for, for them to kind of give him more varied kind of work right there with you on Njoku as well. Uh, this does not look like a good spot for, for, for him to me. And um, yeah, if I was in a position where I picked up a Musgrave off of, off of uh, waivers or, you know, kind of a, a whole slew of other tight ends, I would certainly be giving them a look. Um, you, you know, you, you have Baltimore stinginess plus, um, for some reason, they're not working him into the offense, which doesn't make sense to me given the athlete that that guy is. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on on the Cleveland tight end avoiding situation. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Our final matchup we're gonna look at the Miami Dolphins coming in at three and zero versus those Buffalo Bills at two and one division matchup. Let's go. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite over under a juicy 53 and a half. I'll turn it over to you, Daryl. Talk to me about them Dolphins. Yeah. So, you know, we get, sometimes we get these games that have these, these big over unders and, you know, it's kind of on a wish and a hope type of thing. Like the, the way we think these teams are, but like these teams, this is like the real deal over uh, – this is the real deal shootout potential game on the slate this week. Um, and so, like, lo- looking at the Dolphins, what, what more can you say? Like, their pass game their pass game has been brazy this year. Um, just – they just put up 70 points. So, yeah, um, they've – you know, they've, they've got the – the lowest EPA per play we've seen from Tua this year was 0.29 per play, and that was week two versus New England. That was an 80th percentile outcome. So, like, against against the Bill Belichick New England Patriots, they've been kind of the best at slowing this passing game down, and it was still in the 80th percentile. Um, so, you know, they have that working for them but you know they're coming in and they're facing the buffalo d and on paper the buffalo d has been doing work against other teams mm-hmm. passing games um you know they they've been they've been good in general on defense and they've been good against the passing game but you know they ain't played nobody paul you know? <laughs> <laughs> the three quarterbacks they face so far Zach Wilson, Jimmy Ugh. Garoppolo, and Sam Howell—they haven't been tested yet. Yuck. This is not me saying that the Buffalo defense is food. I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying they haven't played anybody, and they can only play who's on their schedule. They could very well come out here and slap Miami around. It could happen. This defense has been good for, you know, this is going on. This is going on three years that this defense has been good, but they haven't, they haven't seen anybody yet this year. So for that reason, I'm not, I'm not shying away from Tua this week. I'm not expecting Tua to have like a top three or four finish, but when you, when you look at that offense, how it's been going this year, you look at his weapons. He has Waddle, um, Waddle, Tyreek, Achan, Mostert. He has four one-hitter quitters on his team. As <laughs> all, all it takes is a sliver of daylight, and his day can be made. So, you know, this is this is a calculated risk, I think, and I'm willing to take it. And I think when you do that you then just recognize the reality of where your roster could be. So um, basically two is in a coin flippy type situation on, as far as uh, the high end performance he might be able to give you. Well, you use that to inform what you do with the rest of your roster, what you do in your flex position. Maybe you give the nod to a, to a more boom bust type player. So in the event that Tua kind of doesn't air, well, then maybe you have like a Christian Watson or a Gabe Davis or somebody like that um, in your flex so that, you know, maybe you get a little bit more upside there. So, you know, just just kind of a lineup building type, type of thing, but and being realistic about what you're going into. But, yeah, you know, in in total, I'm not I'm not shying away from from Tua. I'm going to trust him in this offense and live with the consequences. Um, to the running back position, um, Raheem Mostert, Devon HM. Buffalo's given up around the 22nd most fantasy points per game to the running back position. So, you know, on its surface, that doesn't look great. But, you know, there's more to the story. They're giving up around, did I write this down correctly? 5.6 yards per carry? Should that is 5. correct. 1? Okay, 5.6 yards per For some reason, I had it in my brain that it should have been 5.1. 5.6 yards per carry. So how do we how do we square that circle, right? Well, Buffalo's been beating the hell out of their um out of their opponents. So they haven't been facing that many rushing attempts. That's number one. Number two, um, you know, you gotta remember back to Brees, Brees Hall giving them the business um on on two very long carries in week one so that probably skews that a little bit but so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle they are exploitable we saw Brees hall do it you just need to stay competitive with them in competitive um situations the buffalo and what, what i mean by competitive is i went into the little epa um the um i forget ben baldwin's epa um site and you just filter out situations where no team is more than an 80 percent uh win probability which ipso facto means the other team has no lower than a 20 percent chance to uh to win the game in those situations buffalo is 20th best in epa per play which means they're in the bottom like third of the league as far as epa per play given up on rushing attempts 
and they're 16th in success rate. So basically around an average to below average run defense in competitive situations. Fully expect the Dolphins to keep this a competitive game. So I think that puts A-Chan and Moster squarely in play. I don't think you need to, to, to be running away from them um, unless you're of the mindset that you think Buffalo is just going to run away with this game. If you believe it's going to be a competitive game, I'm fine with sticking both of these guys in my lineup. Um, Moster as a upper tier RB2, lower tier RB1. A-Chan as a lower tier RB2, upper tier RB3. Maybe that's being a little optimistic on HM, um, but I, I figure he's in mind to see a good 10 to 13, 14 touches. So that, that very well could be enough for him to go um, to go explosive, to go nuclear. That's what I was looking for. Um, so, yeah, running backs playing. To the wide receivers, um, basically I'm only looking at Jalen Waddell and Tyreek. I did find this stat last night. Um, that I shared with you, but it was it was kind of erroneous. Like with with updated information, um, Buffalo Buffalo is basically they they're about league average in man coverage. They're about league average in zone coverage as of you know through week three. Through week two, they hadn't been so. Like that's that I shared with you wasn't what um, wasn't relevant now. But anyway, the Bills have been they've been very stingy with points given up to the wide receivers. Uh, the second fewest so far, but you know, don't make me tap the sign again. Zach Wilson, <laughs> Jimmy G, and Sam Howell. This is definitely a step up in class for them in quarterback, and it's a step up in yeah. class for them um, for 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 receiver. Well, I mean, they did face Devonte uh, Devonte Adams last week, but they faced Devonte Adams without Jacoby uh, Meyer. So, um, yeah, or was that two weeks before? I'm trying to remember. It's two weeks. Oh no, that that that, that was two weeks before Jacob Jacoby Myers. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they that was two weeks ago. Yeah, they played Sam Howell and the Redskins last week. Excuse me, the Commanders last week. But anyway, this is a step up in class in in quarterback receiver tandem talent. I'll say that much. So you know, you weren't sitting Tyreek anyway. Um, you know, he's. Same same old Tyreek. He has always a threat to take it to the house. Um, maybe the top end of what you can expect from him is muted a little bit this week because um, even though Buffalo hasn't played anybody, you don't expect Buffalo to be a terrible defense um, th- this week. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm playing Tyreek. I'm playing Waddle as, as well, but... Uh, my eyebrows are raised with him. You know, I'm at the very worst. I'm playing him as a flex, but to this point, he's he. You have to admit he's been kind of disappointing. You know, his route participation is in the is in the like mid to highish seventies. And I know he got knocked out in game two. He got knocked out of um, his 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 game in in week two. So you know, I'm sure that kind of brings his route participation down a little bit, but. Even in week one, he was only in the um, he was only in the mid seventy. Excuse me, in the in the higher in the upper seventies as far as route participation. But more tellingly, his targets per route run is at twenty percent. So that's not what you were paying for when you were paying that um, late second, early third round price 
during draft season. So while I'm not concerned about him, I am on the road to concern. So, you know, hopefully this can provide maybe not necessarily a top end get right spot as far as production, but at the very least, as far as his peripheral numbers go, because I mean, they're going to need him. Um, but all that, with all that said, I'm still, I'm still playing him. I'm still giving him another chance to get out there and put up some numbers because as I said, at the top of this, this is very much, uh, this game has very high shootout potential. So you want to get your chips in the middle in this game. Um, those are the only two receivers I'm looking to play. As for tight ends, um, I'm not too interested in tight ends because this Julian Hill character entered the chat last week and he ate into Durham Smite's um, route participation. Could that have been because of the blowout situation? Um, not really sure, but the whole thesis behind playing Durham Smythe in the first place was he was getting 100% of the routes and, you know, Maybe maybe some leftovers would be funneled his way in the right circumstance with somebody else mixing in and his already low target share. I'm not too interested in that. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on the Miami situation. Yeah, that tight end situation will be something to watch, um, given how that game went last week and whatnot. But, yeah, the two notes I had, two was the best EPA per play against pressure. Buffalo is the second best EPA when pressuring at a negative one, negative 1.02. So that's going to be a telling story in this game. And then, of course, with a chance usage, how it will look going forward. Again, this game should be closer. So it's just one of those things. Well, will he get as many touches as he did in the um, Denver game? How will that look? And then the note I had was the yards per carry note that you mentioned of 5.6 yards per carry but buffalo has only seen 49 rushing attempts from their opponents um of course those last two games have been blowouts so it hasn't been much rushing on that end but i expect i expect more rushing in this game regardless because i think miami will just be a way more functional offense than what they've than what buffalo has faced in their other three games yeah yeah completely agree on that um all right what you got for me on Buffalo? All right. So the Buffalo Bills playing at home. This is an interesting thing, too, because um, I believe it was last year when Buffalo got Miami at home. It was that um, it, it was like damn near a blizzard or something going on. I saw like it was super cold and um, it was snowing throughout the game. The last last I checked the weather. It's supposed to be a great day in Buffalo. It's supposed to be like mid-70s, clear skies. So um, if anything, this will be a reprieve for for Miami, like like weather-wise, because um, it's still hot as hell in Miami these days. But anyway, um, Josh Allen, he's yet to really have that ceiling performance that he was drafted to, to have. I don't believe he's finished as the quarterback one um, yet in a given week. Um the Dolphins, they could provide, you know, a get-right spot here. Miami is around middle of the pack in uh, fantasy points per game given up to the quarterback and also around middle of the pack in um, EPA per play on dropbacks. So, you know, just given what's been done so far by the Miami defense as regards to passing game, um, 
there's there's an avenue for Josh to go out there and smash. Um, it's not the best matchup. It's not the worst. It's but you know we've definitely seen this dude transcend. You were you were playing him anyway, but like you don't. I don't think you necessarily need to make any accommodations for any downside here. Um, I guess maybe now that I think about it, maybe it would have behooved me to look up how Josh Allen fares against Vic Fangio, but um, I don't know. That's that's only the kind of research that's coming to my brain now. Um, maybe next time. Um, anyway, so yeah, you're playing him, and the runway is clear for him to have a smash that. Um, James Cook. Man's been very good this year. He's currently sitting at RB12 in PPR, according to um, Fantasy Pros. And this is all without scoring a touchdown. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's that's fairly impressive. Um, you know, Miami is tied for the fifth most fifth. What every week I have that problem. Miami is tied for the fifth most yards per carry, um, giving up to running backs at 4.7 yards. And you add, you know, you add to that Cook's general explosiveness. Um, he's always a threat to take one to the house if things break right. So um, yeah, you have that. You have that to look forward to. You know, it's just that lack of goal line work. It really caps his. It really caps his upside. I believe he did get one inside the five carry this past week, um, but it's mostly been Latavius and Damian Harris um, getting getting that kind of work. But regardless, we have seen we've seen James Cook do pretty well for himself, given that he's um, he's getting kind of the lower value touches on the team and he's up north of four targets per game, which is, which is pretty damn good as well. So um, yeah, you're, you're playing him and he does have an avenue to a smash day. It's just going to have to be, you know, a touchdown of like 15 to 20 yards or longer for him to, for him to to see the end zone. Um, Latavius Murray, I I feel like he's worth a mention. Um, Surprised to see he's RB35 on the season. Uh, this is according <laughs> to Fantasy Life. Um, oh, man. The past two weeks, he's finished RB22 and RB24. Uh, you know, he's always a goal line threat. So, you know, he's he's a decent punt play if you're if, if you're some if you're a certain kind of desperate. Um, I would hope nobody would be in that situation, but you know, you can't argue with results. Uh, he's been, he, he, he's been getting this work and, you know, I think that kind of speaks to really how kind of not great the running back position has been to this point in, in, in the year. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you're desperate, I think you could maybe kind of look his way. I just hope you wouldn't have to, um, to the pass catchers, I'll just kind of lump them all in here. Well, to, to make this one global point, like pretty much it's been, if you're not Stefan Diggs, you're looking for, you're looking for table scraps here. Um, and he's, you know, he's out there 93% of the routes, 27% targets per route run. You know, he's, he's eating. This man is just eating. Um, so, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're starting him. Um, one, one kind of avenue, so like move to Gabe Davis, one kind of avenue where you can maybe see something good for Gabe Davis is that um, Miami is kind of susceptible to playmaking from outside wide receivers. 
Um, Diggs, Diggs tends to line up in, in, in the slot more than he does outside, but it's like a 60-40, like 60% slot, 40% outside. So he's splitting his time between those um, pretty, you know, more or less evenly. Gabe Davis, though, is lining up on the outside for the vast majority of his routes. I wrote it, I wrote it down somewhere, but I, I forgot. But it's somewhere on the order of like 80% of his routes are coming lined up on the outside. So there's an avenue there. The only problem is he's seeing about an 11% target share when he's lined up outside. So he's just not getting much work. He's at a 13% targets per route run on the year. So Gabe Davis is the Gabe Davis of Gabe Davis's. Um, If if he doesn't, (laughs) you know, he's, you're really looking for a longish touchdown to kind of make, to kind of make your numbers. Maybe they look for him a little bit more this week. That hasn't been put into evidence as of yet. So I think right now you're looking at him as a boom bust play who maybe gets kind of schemed up a little bit more work. But um, you haven't – his route participation is fine. It's just the targets haven't been coming his way. Um, he's kind of on wind sprint alert. But there is there is an avenue for something to kind of shake for him. Um, Dalton Knox and – not to say Dalton Knox and Dalton Kincaid on Goodness. Dalton Knox and Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, the, the the waspy names have kind of tripped me up. Um, Miami gives up the second most points um, in the league to tight ends lined up in the slot. It seems like that would make it Kincaid time. Only problem is. He's only seeing eleven percent targets per route run from the slot. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Diggs is getting the big piece of chicken and the wings. Like that's <laughs> he's just getting everything here. Um, basically, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox are pretty much the same guy. Um, they are. I feel like uh, Kincaid is averaging like six point six point one to six point three points per game. And Dawson Knox is a, like five point nine. Um, there's yeah. not much. There's not much separating them there. Um, I I wasn't able to find an edge, and I, I was looking kind of hard to to find one. Um, so you know, I can't I can't suggest playing them, but I can't really say like they're strong avoids. It's just you know who's gonna who's gonna make it into the end zone, or does their usage change? And that's something I can't really predict at the moment i'd be looking elsewhere um for 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 tight end production um i i I just can't i just can't give a full-throated cosign to either one of these guys for sure for sure um yeah the note i had that you hadn't addressed other than um the yard, the highest yards per carry, fifth most for Miami. You did address that, but they also have the fourth highest yards per reception for running backs. And Cook is seeing about an 18% targets per route run. So just more of a boost, in my opinion, that obviously um, James Cook should be in your lineups, but I think he's a solid RB2 play for sure. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm with that. Um, if ever he could work in just a little more, of the goal line or inside the five usage. It's it's to the moon with him, but um 
but yeah, he's he, he's definitely a solid play regardless. Word up. Before we get into our buy or sell, aka I can do that segment, we're back. We are back, Daryl. I'm putting a minute on the clock. Lipstick uh -oh. on the pig, aka dress it up and make it real for me. Whatever that <laughs> means. Uh, this week, <laughs> we have two teams that are actually two and one. We got Tampa Bay heading to New Orleans. New Orleans is a three and a half point favorite. Over under is at 39 and a half. One minute on the clock. Sell me on watching this game and go. I feel like this could be the game where Chris Godwin finally gets finally gets off the gets off the schneid and like really makes a uh, really makes an impact in in fantasy. There's a whole lot of um, I think you'll have a whole lot of opportunities playing out of the slot to do such a thing. Secondly, I, this should have been the first thing. It's Jameis, man. It's always always uh, ju ju just a thrilling kind of thing, whether for good or bad, to watch. <laughs> To watch Jameis, and it could very well devolve into, you know, a blooper reel between him and Baker. They both have that in their bags, and it it, it could just be the funniest, craziest thing you you see. Like this game has high potential for you know. I think the over under of defensive touchdowns in this game is one and a half. So you know, those are those are always always fun to see. And Two, um, finally, one, the return of Alvin Kamara. We're done. Uh, I give it a B minus C plus. You did sneak in Alvin Kamara at the buzzer, but that should have been mentioned early on. Like, don't tell me about no damn Chris Godwin, damn Jamise. We got Alvin Kamara back, man. We got a running back that people have been waiting on that could be an RB2 easily for them that's coming back. Give me the playmaker. I want to hear about no Jameis Winston first. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Granted, you did put me on the spot, but yeah. But yeah, yeah I did. That's fair. I did. I that's did. Fair. But I got to give you a hard time. Let's get into our next segment here. I can do that. Shout out to Little Flip. It's a buy or sell segment for us. Let's go ahead and recap last week where Daryl went two and one, and I went one and two. We'll start first. Bijan Robinson, will he have? Over 99 and a half rushing receiving yards versus Detroit. He ain't do that. He finished with 60 yards total, 33 rushing, 27 receiving. Both of us said he could do that. Any thoughts on that one, my boy? I suppose I underestimated that Detroit defense, man. Um, and also just how terrible Desmond Ritter was going to be um, <laughs> when it came time to have to open up the offense, you know? And this is why I said nice things about Desmond Ritter earlier, because I felt like in the preview, matchup preview segment, there wouldn't be too much. And then I felt there was going to be some extra dumping here. But yeah, yeah, all the things you said agreed there. The next one, we have Mike Williams over 58 and a half receiving yards versus the Philadelphia Eagles. He finished with 60 yards. We both said he could do that. Thoughts on that one? Or are you good? Um, well, yeah, I've it's 
it's Mike Evans, man. It, it, it's Mike Evans, and the Philly hadn't been that good against um, against receivers to that that point. Um, and Baker Baker seems to really have eyes for Mike Evans. The, thus, my mentioning of uh, Chris Godwin when I was put on the spot about the Tampa Bay Saints game. So, wow. Yeah, Mike Evans saw 10 targets in this game. Baker only threw the ball 25 times. So, yeah, you can do the quick math on that one. That's about 40% there. Ooh, boy. Love him some Mike Evans. <laughs> Next one, Ramondre Stevenson. Would he have over 50 and a half rushing yards versus the Jets? He did that. He finished with 59 yards on 19 carries. Zeke went 16 for 80. Now, Daryl, you said he could do that, which he did. And you said verbatim he would have like 52 yards. So you were damn near close. I said he can't do that. And I did have that mentioning of Zeke mixing in. And that's a damn good mix when he has 16 carries and Ramondre had 19 of them. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, like, you were partially right, too, um, with the whole Zeke mixing in part. So, yeah, you just needed to get on the right team. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. Like, three yards per carry there for Ramondre. That running is not great. But it's a new week. Let's get three more of these things in the book. I'll pose the first one to you. Javante Williams, running back for the Denver Broncos. Will he have over 53 and a half rushing yards against the Chicago Bears? This was pulled from Price Picks. 53 and a half. Wow, that's an odd number. Um he, you know, hmm. Now with Jaleel McLaughlin working in a little bit more. But Chicago's terrible. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the under. On on that, um, so what? Yeah, he's ready to get something like ten. No, you know, no, no. I'm I'm gonna say he can do that. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say he can do it. Javante could do that. He'll probably need like what 12, 13 carries to get there. And I figured Denver should wear them boys out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah, he can do that. How about you? Damn good there. Damn good for sure. Um, some background info, Javante seeing about 59% of the rushing attempts. Um, Chicago has an eighth, has an eighth fewest rushes yard per carry from running backs are seeing the eighth fewest rushes per carry from running backs. Goodness, where's our heart right now? But um, overall, I said that he could do this. And this has more to do with what you said. If he sees more than 13 carries, and that's the note that I made. And I think he will, because I think Denver... I don't think they're going to dog walk Chicago, but I think they should be able to have a nice game here and bounce back. And I think they'll be leaning on the rushing game in it. So I'm also agreeing with you. He can do that. All right. So on to the next one. Um, Will Kirk Cousins produce another top five QB week this week against the Panthers? Yeah, so I actually wrote this one. I had to put it in because, again, Kirk has had top five finishes in all three weeks so far. The only quarterback to do that. I'm going to lead off with saying he can't do that. Uh, The main reason Uh for this is when I look at Carolina's defense, uh, their defensive run metrics, there's nothing major, nothing good there. And 
just looking at the overall results from the running backs they face, right? So Bijan and Tyler Algier hit him for 125 yards. Uh, the Saints got it going through Taysom Hill. Now the running backs didn't do much there uh, between Jamal Williams and uh, Tony Jones. But then the next week, Ken Walker and uh, Zach Charbonnet hit him up for 140 piece. So I think Alexander Madison is not in a Walker tier, not a Bijan tier, but I, I would put him above Jamal Williams and Tony Jones. And I feel like him and between Cam Makers, they can be effective running the ball, which in turn, I think it will lower the amount of passing work that Minnesota would need to do, even though they're a very pass friendly team. So that's the one that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that we got Josh Allen and Tua playing each other. So that's two quarterbacks I think should be going back and forth. Joe Burrow's going up against the Titans, and we know the Titans give up the draws in the passing game. And Justin Herbert is getting the Raiders this week. So that's four quarterbacks in juicy prime matchups. And that's not even mentioning Jalen Hurst is getting the commanders who Josh Allen just balled against. And of course, Patrick Mahomes is still a quarterback in this league, even though he has a tough, tough third matchup with the Jets. Kirk ain't doing it this week. Top five. He can't do that. Right. So everything you just said, talked me into saying he can do that. Uh, one, <laughs> one, you based it on Alexander Madison getting work. That's a that's an extreme foh. Um, you, you put Joe Burrow as somebody who could get who who could who could uh, be in the realm of you know top five and squeeze Kirk out of there. That man is throwing the ball five yards at a time. No, <laughs> no, he uh, uh-uh. okay. no. I I think that the reason, you know, part of the reason why Minnesota passes the ball so much is because they have Justin G.D. Jefferson and also because they have Alexander Madison at running back. Like they're passing because like that's that that's where their weapons are. Um, <laughs> and they've been they've been good and efficient and um, what's the word? What's the word? And voluminous. With it too, so yeah, I, I say Kirk keeps the keeps the party going, and I'm gonna say, yeah, he can do that. He's finishing top five this week. Okay, fair enough. And Burrow getting the Titans is more to do with the Titans defense than necessarily Burrow and his health right now. But I got you. I got you. the last one, will Pat Firemuth tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers? be a top six tight end against the Houston Texans. What say you? Um, a top six? So basically he's going to – what's that mean? You score a touchdown, basically. You're a top six tight end, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't I, – I don't know. I just – I'm never betting on the Pittsburgh offense to do anything good. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna say he can't do that just out of just out of disbelief. Uh, not disbelief, that's not the right word, just out of not believing in the Pittsburgh uh offense. I'm I'm gonna say he can't do that. I got you, I got you. Yeah, the, the reason why I bought this one up is one just giving us an avenue to talk about Houston. 
And then number two, Pat Farmouth is coming in as tight end eight for the week eight. Tight end eight for the week four rankings. Um, the little research I did, um, Houston's giving up the top 10 points to the position um, for tight ends, and they have one of the higher catch rates given up to tight ends. Um, Evan Ingram had a decent game last week um, with that. And with Pat Firemuth from the research from 2022, so last season till now, he has a 19% target share and a two-point yards per route run against zone coverage, which Houston runs 66% of the time. I'm going to lean into it and say Pat Firemuth has a good week, either a touchdown or maybe gives you an eight for, I don't know, 58 or something. And I'll say he can do that. He'll be a top six tight end this week. Word, man. And you know what? I hope you are right. But uh, my, my best ball teams and I hope that you are right. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I really do want to get this one wrong. We shall see, my man. Let's get to the last segment here. DBB, the brothers battle. We go to our betting sheet. Going to give you our Thursday night pick. The game is the Detroit Lions traveling to the Green Bay Packers. Detroit, per our sheet, is a point and a half favorite. The over-under is 46. Decent amount there. I'll turn it over to you, big bro. What is your pick? I see you are typing it. Let the good folks know what you got. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take the one and a half with Green Bay. My justification being Jared Goff on the road outdoors. <laughs> Simple and I like Goff. He's been having he's been having a solid year, but until he shows me, you know, yeah, I yeah, no, 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 no. Um, I think Green Bay deserves more respect. I think they should be the favorite in this game. So yeah, I'll definitely be taking those points. Yeah, I have the same thoughts there as far as Jared Goff on the road. And then, yeah, Green Bay being the home team here, I think they should actually be the favorite. Um, and in a small little addition with that, they, they're getting their weapons back in Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. Now, what percentage of health they are, who knows? But I think having those weapons and the threat of those two guys should help the offense even more. Um, but really – when I say helping more, just being more of a threat, Jordan Love has to play better, even though he's been, what, seven touchdowns, one interception. But all that to say, regardless, yeah, I think Green Bay plus a point and a half is the move here. Any other games um, from the spreadsheet you see here that interest you or you're kind of like um, – Yeah, I think um, – a lot of them are just like, okay, so like Minnesota, Minnesota at Carolina minus three and a half. It's just that that team, man. They just, I mean, by that team, I mean Minnesota. I've I, I said this last week at this time. I just feel like they just kind of keep coming up short on uh, on on luck, and. I do think, you know, all things being equal, they, they they cover this three and a half. It's just that 
so much nonsense kind of swirls around their games, <laughs> it makes it it makes it hard to just you know lock that pick in and say, yeah, this is what this is what I'm going with. So yeah, that's more about that team than it is um, than it is about that spread, and also kind of the the respect that Miami is getting. Um, you know, Buffalo is quote unquote only a two and a half point favorite. I think that shows a lot of respect for, for for Miami. Now, yeah, they did just put up 70 points last week and blah blah blah, but they're on the road, um, division to, to a division opponent that's you know a a Super Bowl favorite, you know, one of the top five or six Super Bowl favorites, and to only be getting two and a half points. I I think, yeah, that, that's a lot of respect they're being shown. Uh, so, yeah, that, that really kind of stands out to me. I think it's a fair line, but but still, yeah. you know, for, for it to be at that point, uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's two games and a third. Briefly, I'll mention um, Atlanta-Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a three-and-a-half point favorite. I feel like that, that hook, man, it's just, ah. I, I hate that it's there, but you know, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. for some reason, overseas, like they get mad love, I guess, because they play there so much. Um, they just had a bad loss, division loss against the Texans. And we already talked about in the preview. It's like they could maybe have some efficiency running the ball with Atlanta, but like I just don't see how they put up a whole lot of points in this game. And I think Jacksonville can can put up points in the game. So I'm going to be on Jacksonville there. Um, Tampa and New Orleans. New Orleans, three-and-a-half-point favorite. We got Jameis versus Baker Mayfield. That's going to be so interesting. We already talked about that one. And then more than likely, I'm going to be on the under for the Baltimore-Cleveland game. Again, another game that we already talked about. I just think it's going to be an ugly AFC um, North battle there and – that game may very well be like seventeen to ten or some shit. Yeah, yeah that that game that game will probably out rock fight the Cincinnati Tennessee game, and that's uh that's pretty hard to do to oh, yeah. out rock fight Captain Rock fight. So yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and they're in Tennessee too. Yep, yep. So yeah, there's gonna be um, some there's gonna be some slobber knocker football this week with, with, with some of these games. How you feel about New England getting six and a half in Dallas? Um you know, just the, the way it hits me, I feel like I feel like I should be on the Patriots with with, with that because we haven't we haven't really seen like true greatness. Out of Dallas, and you know, they coming off losing to Arizona this past week. Like when they had to turn it on, they couldn't. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they they couldn't get it in gear. They're they're down. Um probably their did Trevon Diggs is their number one corner, right? Um Yeah, yeah, he's not he one. was like it's not I was. Yeah, yeah they're they're down their number one corner, like uh, you know. I don't know, and you know, it's it's not like New England has been some uh, some lights out offense or that that offense has really shown any signs or anything. But you know, it's Belichick versus um, versus McCarthy. I just 
I think I get the coaching edge there to New England. And yeah, I, I think that's probably a few too many, maybe a point or two too many in favor of Dallas. I got you. You ain't going to lock it, though. Um, man, you know, don't, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> oh, man, I got to mess with you. Um, well, cool, man. That that concludes DBB for me. Um, before we get out of here, you got any last notes for the good people before week four action starts? Um, yeah, you know, week four, um, maybe you're sitting in your leagues one and two or oh and three. Um, I've seen a bunch of people post on Twitter about, you know, who, you know, what guys started off hot and like this time last year. And it felt like if you didn't have them, then you were just buried and, you know, all that stuff flipped and that that's an annual occurrence. So, you know, don't necessarily be of the mindset that, you know, just because you don't have whoever the hotness is now means like you're out of it because all of this stuff, all of this stuff, I guarantee you will be shaken up in another three to four weeks time. So, you know, I feel like I say this a lot, but keep plugging, keep plugging away, keep working, uh, keep working around the edges and get your teams better, man. Absolutely. Good note there for sure for the good people. Well, if you want to reach out to us, we are on the X Streets, the Brothers FF, DA Brothers FF. It's your boy, Derek. My brother, Daryl, we are out of here, guys. Peace.